Welcome to episode 11 of the Carlson Cards podcast, where my name is Austin, I'll be your host. And today we have an amazing interview with a longtime friend of mine from Wisconsin. His name is Jordan. He goes by at Northwoods Card Collector on Instagram. We talk the national specifically preparing with about two weeks to go before the show starts. Jordan stepped us through his process, which by my estimation is a pretty dang good one. And I really found it interesting to learn from Jordan, maybe help us, those of us going to the show, or even if you go to other shows later this year, maybe to prepare. We also dive into his Peyton Manning collection, and he shares a ton of really great acquisition stories from the National specifically, and there's just a ton to learn from in this episode. I did also just want to give a huge shout out to all of you for listening. This podcast has gotten a lot more interest than honestly I expected when I first started. So shout out to all of you, and again, I just really appreciate it. Let's kick it over to the conversation. Welcome to episode 11 of the Carlson Cards podcast. Very excited for today's episode. We have another fellow Wisconsin native, Mr. Jordan Northwoods Card Collector on. Uh, So the next two weeks of episodes, including this one, will be focused on the national. I told Jordan for this one, really kind of wanted to focus on the, you know, lead up to the national, like how to prepare to be successful. I'm sure we're going to talk about the show itself, but just to give you guys a heads up. And obviously we're going to talk about Peyton Manning. So if you don't like Peyton Manning, you might want to turn this off right now. But anyways, Jordan, first of all, just appreciate you joining and how are you doing? Good. Thank you, Austin, for thinking of me and asking me to come on. I've Is this episode 10 or 11? 11, 11. 11. Okay. Well, I've listened to all of them, so I, I don't I don't get a chance to say that about any other podcast starting from one till every single episode. So this is it's a lot of fun. Awesome. No, I, I really appreciate it. Yeah, actually, so you've probably listened one through nine. I just recorded 10 a couple days ago. I've done doing like two weeks. It's kind of nice. That I can like stagger them. And now next week I can just chill. Otherwise, I feel like if I do it every week, I like run out of questions. <laughs> so it's like it's perfect, but awesome. So I know, like I just mentioned at the beginning, we've kind of chatted obviously about the national, you know, I've picked your brain a lot. I feel like you're a guy who I look at as someone who's had success at the show and especially preparing for the show. Um, so I think I kind of wanted to start I'd love to hear about your first experiences with the national, like whether or not, and I don't even know, was this 20 years ago? Was it five years ago? What, what was your first experience with the national? Like, um, it was in 2015 in Chicago. Um, my friend drew had gone to a few of them beforehand and invited me to come along with him on this one. And I wasn't really, um, as big of a, I guess, high end collector as I was now, I was just kind of getting back into the hobby um, I had been a collector, you know, buying things when I lived in Florida at different hobby shops. And then when I moved to Wisconsin, I kind of had stopped because there weren't really any hobby shops up here. But anyway, uh, my first one was up in 2015 in Chicago, and I was just buying regular uh, day entry passes. I wasn't a VIP or anything. I didn't know anything about what the national was. Um, but it is huge it was definitely overwhelming uh compared to any other like local show i had ever been to or any card shop you go it's it blows everything out of the water um i just remember walking in underneath the sign you can't see the back of the room (laughs) so it just goes on forever so my first memory of the national was just being like wow like this is legit like this is a huge huge show I'm so excited because I, I think, you know, this will be my first. That's kind of why I want to ask that question. Just like what was your first impression, the sights, the sounds, the yeah. smells. So it sounds like it was a little overwhelming. Is there any way to kind of dissect that as a first time goer? Like, again, myself, this is kind of talking about when I get there, but we'll always talk about preparation. But 
when you get there, how do you kind of not get overwhelmed? Would you rec- do you have any recommendations, I guess, for new listeners here who haven't been before? Sure. So um, I guess a recommendation to not be overwhelmed is as soon as you walk in, um, they give you like a bag of goodies or whatever, just free stuff. And then one of those things is a, a program and it has a floor plan. Um, so if your goal is to see everything or go to every single table and you want to see everything, it's definitely going to take you four or five days to do that. Um, so don't get overwhelmed with that. Just follow the floor plan. Uh, go up and down the aisles, go up and down the rows. And what we do is we'll look at the program and we'll open up to that floor plan. And we'll X out everywhere we've been. And that way we know that we've we've covered it because it's pretty easy to get turned around in there and get distracted. Um, you're looking at, you know, all these nice cards and then you get to a vintage booth and then you see shiny over here. So you go look at the refractors and the 90s parallels and over down that way, there's a guy with tons of stuff, bunch of yelling and screaming's going on at this place. So it's really easy to to lose track of what you're doing. <laughs> so, so if you want to try and make sure you see everything, just try and follow a floor plan and go up and down the aisles. Great. And then one thing too, you said we, uh, do you go with anyone in particular? Do you go with multiple people and kind of dissect it and split it up between the two of you? Um, so when I say we, I mean uh, me and Andrew, Cards and Snakes, we've gone to every single national that I've been to anyway. He's been to others before me, but um, we go to every show or every national together. We'll fly out to Atlantic City, which we did last year, or Chicago is really nice because it's just a four-hour drive from Wisconsin and then Cleveland, the IX Center. But, um, yeah, it's it's really nice to, to have him with because he knows what I like and I know what he likes. It's nice to have an extra set of eyes out there to, to help you look for things that you know you probably are going to glaze over or miss. Um, so it's really great to to bring a friend along or have someone, you know, help keep an eye out for something you might miss. So would you throw that in the bucket of like, again, by the time this episode airs, I think it'll be about two weeks from the show. Would you throw this idea into the bucket of, hey, it's getting to be two weeks. Maybe you should talk to a friend or two and maybe kind of give them a list and prepare a list of the cards you're looking for. Like, would that be something you'd recommend people start doing here? Yeah, some people post on um, their stories on Instagram, you know, hey, I'm looking for a 2005 gold X factor of Peyton Manning. It helped me keep an eye out for it. <laughs> I don't know who that is. I yeah, yeah. looking for that card. So, you know, it just helps, you know, people that you talk to every day on Instagram to let them know, hey, this is what I'm looking for. Is there anything I can help you look out for? Um, like, there's some guys who specifically PC Ray Lewis, there's people who specifically PC. Uh, just some off the wall Alfred Morris or Travis Kelsey, you know, is like that's the first person you think of when you see that card. So it's nice to to look out for your friends too. I like that. And you kind of hinted at it already, but I've kind of noticed it helps to be reciprocal with it, not in like a don't be selfish way, but kind of like a, hey, you help someone else out. They're more likely to help you out. And then you kind right. of have this network of people. Is that that kind of where you're getting at with it? Absolutely. Yeah. There, I'm in a group chat um, with a couple other uh, 90s collectors and one of them uh, collects Jaguars and Fred Taylor. And I was able to find a Fred Taylor essential credentials from 1998. And it's like, boom, that's the first person I thought of to send it to like, hey, this is the dealer. This is his contact info, you know, and he was able to buy the card. So hopefully down the road, if he sees a really cool Peyton Manning, then the favor is returned. <laughs> 
Is this PK32 sports cards? That yep, right? that's him. <laughs> Boom. So we got some overlap. You now. got it. Cool. Yeah. No, I, I, right when you said Jaguars, I was like, oh, it's got to be him. That, that's cool. Yeah. Yep. Nice to have the Instagram. You kind of, you know, your network and that sort of thing for a show this big. Exactly. Perfect. No, that's awesome. I appreciate that advice. So, so kind of where I wanted to go with this, and I was hoping to kind of connect to your collecting and how the national fits in with it. But first, I just wanted to give you a chance to maybe just share. We've touched on a few things. Again, knowing it's about going to be two to three weeks before the show, what are your top like recommendations for people listening here? I know we already kind of mentioned make a list, maybe tell people what you're looking for. Like, are you doing anything with your collection beforehand to make this, you know, preparation a lot easier? Yeah, definitely. Um, well, I've done it already, but I have sit down and I have an honest moment with my PC. And I go through everything. And the first thing that I do is I look at all the cards and I say, okay, what am I absolutely not okay with getting rid of? And I make sure that those cards are the cards I don't bring at all. Um, Because what will happen is the national is 500,000 plus square feet, probably even more now because they've added more to it of just, table sports cards memorabilia everything you will find something that you want to buy um, and the first thing you're going to do is you're going to take out your zion case put it on the table and say hey i've got some some stuff for trade is there any way that we can work out a deal and if you put in your top 10 cards in your collection the dealer is probably going to pick those cards as what they want they're not going to pick you know the cards that you really want to trade away they're going to pick out your best stuff so that's what I do. I sit down, I have a moment with my PC. I, I find out which cards I don't want to get rid of. I set those aside. Those ones are locked in the PC. And then anything else that is in my collection that I'm okay with getting rid of, um, I ask myself, am I okay with using these as tools to trade my way into something that will eventually become one of those cards that I don't want to get rid of? Uh, so that's what I do. I make a top 50 list of all my PC cards and it helps me identify, you know, way more quickly and keeps my head from spinning, uh, which cards I am okay with getting rid of. That's super smart. And uh, just a couple of logistical questions I got to ask. So number one, how many cards do you bring with? And then number two, are you pretty adamantly like, how do I put it? Are you pricing your cards out with what you'd be asking in trade value? Or are you more of just let the dealer figure it out? Or do you put a sticky note on with recent sales? Like what, what what's kind of the answer to those two questions? Sure. So um, how many cards I bring is just whatever I can fit into my three row Zion case. It's really bringing a lot. Right. Yeah. I mean, if I can fit it in the backpack, I'll bring it. Um, you're going to be walking around all day every day these five days and you don't want to bring so much and too much that you're going to kill your back and you're going to kill your feet and you're not going to last. So I'm okay with filling up my Zion case and putting that in the backpack or just putting it or just something I can carry. Um, So as far as that goes, I'm okay with that. And then, yeah, so I like to be the one that's in charge of what I'm asking, obviously for my cards. I don't want to just show dealers what I have and then let them come up with a figure um, 95% of the time, the dealers are going to offer you 60 to 70% of what the last comp was, because that's just how they have to operate and how they have to make their margins and their money. Um, what I like to do is I'll obviously comp it. I'll make sure, uh, I'm not asking $5,000 for a $500 card and 
something outrageous like that. But another thing I like to do is in the bottom left-hand corner of the sleeve, I'll write down what number uh, card it is on my top 50 list. So I have also a quick reference. Okay, I'm going to sell or trade away the number 40 card in my top 50 list. And then am I getting in return something that I feel okay that upgrades that? Or am I okay with just selling it for at a predetermined price? So I, I like to come in with a little bit of background knowledge of what my cards are worth, and it saves myself and the dealer time. The dealer probably would appreciate knowing what you want for the card right away, and you're not standing there scrolling on your phone trying to find something that's sold in the last three months. No, that's that's really good advice. And to just step one more step on that, um, what do you do on these cards that I'm sure a lot of what you own, a lot of what I own at this point, there's really not any sales, or the comps might be like two years ago. Like... I, I'm imagining what I'm going to do. And you tell me if this differs from you is just try to do my best guess, <laughs> like try yeah. to be reasonable, but I'm also, I really don't want to undersell myself on some of these. So where do you find yourself in that regard? So a lot of the cards that I'm going to be bringing are Peyton Manning stuff uh, because that's mainly all I have really left to, to sell or trade is PC cards. Um, so what I like to do is I, I usually can remember what I paid for and when I bought it. Um, if I can't find a comp for it, usually you can try looking at um, another player from the same set, or sometimes you can look at uh, comparable players. So, I mean, there, sometimes there's not a perfect answer to try to find an actual number. Sometimes you just have to find common ground and and hopefully you can find a seller who agrees with your evaluation on something that might be rare enough to where it doesn't sell hardly at all. It could be a card number to 10 or a card number to five. So hopefully, um, I mean, it, if you're trying to sell a card to a dealer who is interested in a card that's number to five or number to 10, they also usually have a background knowledge of what those cards typically go for. Great. And then uh, a final question here, kind of on this in terms of, again, mentally preparing for this show, do you feel yourself or find yourself, I should say, getting to a dealer, you offer, like you said, you find a card in trade, you offer kind of what you have pretty quickly can you tell if it's going to be someone that you can make a deal with and the reason i ask this is because there's so many tables right i know you don't want to be yeah. wasting your time they don't want to be wasting their time do you have any tips for really telling if it's going to be a dealer that you can get something done with yeah um usually you can tell right away uh what kind of mood the dealer's in or how they're going to treat you as a, a trade partner um, I would definitely stay away from the dealers who use use car salesman tactics on you. Uh, like you'd say, hey, I like that 2005 Top's Finest Peyton you have. And he's like, oh, well, you're the fourth person to ask me about that card today. It's like that he's he's working. you. You know that right away. Or, oh, yeah, someone just came to look at that and they said they'd be right back for it. And it's like they're putting the pressure on you to buy it right away. And, and in those moments, you got to stay true to yourself and know exactly what you're going to pay for that, what the last one sold for, or what kind of trade you're willing to give up for that. Because there are some dealers who will try to work you. And then there are some dealers who are very honest and reputable. Uh, these people that are these accounts that you see on Instagram will be there. Some of my favorite dealers to go see and talk to is um, RBI crew seven to captain 37. Kevin will be there. Um, there's some other guys that, I mean, people remember people, they, they remember how you treat them and they remember if you were fair with them. So I like to go back to the guys I've already done deals with because they remember me and they remember, you know, 
he's easy to deal with. But as a first time goer, I would maybe, you know, search out people who you like or who you feel on are honest on Instagram or if you've ever bought from somebody before to revisit them. Perfect. That's that's a great answer. I feel like I just learned a lot there. And I, I think it's interesting too, like to your point, how you have these accounts you already follow online, probably communicate with a little bit. So you have a good idea of their character ahead of time, which is an interesting point I hadn't thought of. That's that's really smart. I appreciate it. Yeah, sure, sure. I mean, everybody's going to be there. It's, I mean, if you can't be there, um, you can also be involved in the national by you know, searching the stories and seeing what people post online for sale through their stories. But yeah, like, like I said, it's easy to find out the ones that you already know on Instagram because it's, it's the biggest event of the year. It's the world series. It's the super bowl of the hobby. Everybody who is on Instagram will probably be there in some shape or form. What's your pump up song going into the show? Are you listening to anything in your head? Oh man, that's funny. Um, I don't have something off the top of my head, but I will say um, I have, you know, kind of paralleled this. When you walk underneath the national sign, uh, when you're walking through every day in the morning, you're walking underneath the national sign and you walk out and you see all the tables and the national itself. It almost feels like a player walking out of the tunnel onto mm-hmm. the field for the Super Bowl. I can almost imagine what Peyton Manning or Tom Brady feel for just a split second when that happens. So you kind of get those butterflies and those feelings. So that's how I would, you know, compare it to. That's, that's funny. That's perfect. Okay. So segue here. Now we get to learn about you and you're collecting a little more. Um, so I'm sharing a couple of pictures here before we talk about what these cards are. I wanted to ask, and kind of as again, a natural flow here, how does the national fit in to the grand scheme of your collecting? Like I know, and I'll add detail here. Like I know at this point you have a very well flushed out collection that every, I told you this in the message. I said, when you send me those photos, every time I forget how crazy your collection is. And then I see it and I'm like, Oh my gosh. So now that you're at this point where you have great cards, you know, your collection is obviously, I'm sure you're proud of it. How does the national fit in with the grand scheme of where you're trying to move with your collection? So the national kind of, I guess, represents um, hope to me that I'm able to find a grail piece uh, that I can add to my top 10 of Peyton Manning cards. Um, it, I'm trying to think of how to word this. It's more of like a, you can't really do a trading cash deal on eBay. You can't do a trading cash deal on PWCC. I, I feel like I'm more card rich than cash rich. Mm -hmm. So uh, that star rubies was my, that BGS eight star rubies, Peyton rookie that I, that's on the screen is um, the top pickup from last year for me. I had to trade, I had to do basically half trade, half cat, half cash to get that card. Um, I did not have enough cash that I brought with me to buy that outright. I had to use what I brought to get it. Um, So that's kind of what the national is for me it's hope that i can go get something bigger that i can't just buy online that i can work out a trade deal with someone face to face it's a lot easier to to do that when the cards are in front of you they can see what you have and you can have face to face negotiations with someone so with that ruby's already kind of touched on i'd love to hear logistics behind that trade a little more maybe you don't have to you don't have to talk like exact values but just curious like if you had mentioned you know you it's a little bit of cash and trade when you're trading, do you approach this with the mindset of like, okay, I'm just going to make up a number. I don't know what this thing's worth, but let's say you're going to give up $2,500 cash. And then the other $2,500, if you're assuming it's worth 5,000, 
do you kind of understand that the trade you're going to have to give up a little more? Like what's your mindset when you're trying to look at a card like this? Right. I, I really hate it when people try and say, Oh, well, their trade value is going to be lesser than actual cash dollar amount. To me, it's, it's, if it's worth 500 bucks, I'm going to trade it to you at $500 value. Mm -hmm. That's just how I look at it or how I try to trade my cards. I don't look at it as I'm going to trade this $500 card. That's worth 500 for to you for 250. I just, I don't like working out trades like that. But uh, the way that this uh, rubies came about was I had to give up seven, six or seven cards to work up to the value that I needed to get it at and the rest in cash. I gave up uh, the quad diamond from uh, Black Diamond 1998. I gave up the triple diamond, the double diamond, and the single diamond. So those were four. Peyton doesn't have like a, a, a rainbow per se of cards in any of his products from 1998, but that's about as close to a rainbow as you can get. It's green, yellow, red, and the single diamond is just a base card. So I had to give up those four cards. Um, I had to give up a uh, exquisite patch auto of Peyton and a couple other lower end like Brett Favre patches and stuff just to round out the value. But uh, that that card I got in New Jersey last year and I was totally ecstatic to get it. It's Ruby is number 35. It's in the top 10 of my PC. So I was okay with getting rid of uh, those other cards that I mentioned before because they were lower down on my top 50 list. Awesome. And I have to admit, I just, so I, I picked up, it's not 98 by any means, but I picked up a 2000 star rubies earlier this week and they look great. I mean, it's probably not even as shiny as this one. Like I can just tell from the photos, these look insane. So I, I hope at some point I can find one of these because they look super cool. And, and question for you, Jordan too, does he have two star rubies and they're like, one is with pro uniform. One is not, am I thinking of something different? I might be thinking of like medallions or something. Yeah. It's the medallion you're thinking of. You're thinking of one in Tennessee uniform. And then the other one kind of looks like a senior class photo. He's leaning up against the wall. So yeah, that's the platinum and gold medallions. That's awesome. You'll have to, maybe you could reenact that senior photo sometime <laughs> and then stick it next to your card. There you go. Yeah. <laughs> Awesome. So could you tell me about the second card here that you have shown? And I know both of these, the reason I share them here is because they have ties to the Nationals. So could you tell us about the second card here? Sure. Yeah, that's a uh, 2018 flawless uh, Super Bowl MVPs one of one um, on card auto of Peyton. And how this one ties into the National, I didn't pick it up at the National, but I actually bought it. I think either two or three days before the national because um, the seller had it posted on Facebook and I had already saved up a bunch of money to take with me to the national. But I, I saw this card for sale and I'm like, you know what, if this card was at the national, I would have bought it or I would have stood there at the table and not moved until we got a deal done for it. So I knew I had to buy it. I, I hate buying cards before the national because it, you know, it, gets rid of what you've already saved up to do to get it. Um, but yeah, that's just, it just proves that, you know, a couple of weeks leading up to the national people are trying to liquidate some of what they've got to have cash for the national. And sometimes when you see a good deal, you know it and you cannot pass it up. And this was definitely one of those instances. So hearing this in mind, do you, do you ever think to yourself, cause this is, this is the way I'm thinking now. It's only my first year of going, but it's the second year now where I've seen like the weeks before these cards just pop up and it's like, I cannot pass this card up. So do you ever think like, 
okay, you know, granted the whole year is pretty much probably saving for the national, but do you ever think like, okay, some of next year, like I'm going to target and understand the fact that I might look for some big cards right beforehand. Like, has that crossed your mind at all for future years? Yeah. Um, let me tell you, it, it is a really great time to buy a, a month, two weeks, three weeks before the national, because the, it almost seems like you're, you're almost in save mode and you know, you're not going to buy anything. And it's like, of course, that's when the deals pop up or that's when these really awesome cards pop up because I don't know what it is about it. People probably are trying to sell off to get money before the national, but it is definitely a big buying opportunity before the national. If you save up money just for that instance if you're not going to the national that is a good time to save up for and buy before because cards like this pop up awesome no that totally makes sense and one final question too on on this card specifically so i asked drake this this would be two episodes ago by the time this one airs um about autographs for drew Brees. i know him and peyton both sign a lot um, so I wanted to ask, what kind of autographs do you target? Are you kind of looking for just anything that stands out as really unique? Like what's what's kind of your strategy? Because I fully understanding, right? Like I understand that you can't pick up every autograph you come across. It just doesn't make any sense. So how do you limit yourself here? Sure. So I usually like to stick to playing days or playing years of Peyton Manning's career, 1998 through 2015. Um, now, I just mentioned this flawless one of one was a 2018 um, I will break my own rule <laughs> in that case for something like this. Uh, it's Super Bowl related. Um, it's a one of one. It's on card. It's flawless. Um, but typically for me, I like to stick within the realms of his playing career. Uh, if it's a nice patch auto or on card, I try to stay away from sticker autos just because I like to be able to say Peyton held this card in his hand and signed it himself. Um, but yeah, those are those typically how I try and collect Peyton autographs. Um, but you are absolutely correct. Peyton, I mean, he's got a, a great autograph. It's not just PM squiggle squiggle. Um, he's got a great autograph that's been fairly consistent his entire career. And he, he signs a lot. And I just I, that's how I try to limit my collection is just to playing years. Awesome. That makes sense. And you made me think of something else. I'd be remiss if I didn't ask about this. You mentioned him holding a card and signing it. I know that you met him last year and had him sign something. So could you tell us about that experience? I remember the video. I think if I recall right, um, you had some cards involved as well. Could you tell yeah. us about that? Yeah. So this was at um, the November uh, Fanatic Show in Chicago, the sport. Oh, okay. the okay. Chicago Sports Spectacular is what it's called. Um, so I knew he was going to be there in advance, he was a autograph signer. So I bought a ticket to uh, get in his line. And I had a Super Bowl 41 football with me that I was gonna get signed. But what I was more nervous about was I wanted to have somewhat of a personal interaction with Peyton. I just didn't wanna get a football sign and walk back down the line and that was it. So I knew that uh, his dad, Archie Manning, had a, a rookie card. So I bought a Topps, uh, Archie Manning rookie card ahead of time, had that with me in my pocket. And it was my turn to to go in his line. And Andrew, my friend, was recording for me. So I walk up. He has the football. He's signing the football. And he's like, what's up, man? And I'm like, not much. I just wanted to say I appreciated watching you play for the Colts. And you're my favorite player. And I collect a lot of your rookie cards. 
So I wanted to give you a rookie card of your favorite player. So I put it on the table. He looks at it. He smiles. He's like, oh, man, that's that's awesome. And he's like, I think I'll give it to my son because his son, I guess, collects cards or he collects a lot of uh, Josh Allen memorabilia. He's got like a signed autograph jersey of Josh Allen. I guess that's his son's guy. So anyway, he holds it in his hand. He's like, oh, man, that's awesome. And he puts it in his pocket right away, which and he shook my hand, which I totally forgot to ask Peyton, like, hey, can I grab a photo with you or anything like that? He just took his hand out and shook my hand and said, thank you. And when Peyton Manning shakes his hand out to shake your hand, you definitely do it. <laughs> so that, that was an awesome experience. Um, and I definitely won't forget it. It was, it was really cool. Yeah. For anyone listening to, I think Jordan, is it pinned on your profile or it's just down? Yeah. If you look on the video, yeah, it's on my Instagram. Yeah. Okay, cool. Yeah. So you got to check it out. I remember, like you said, the pocket thing, because that I thought was really cool that he put it in his pocket because you'd assume with a famous person, they'd say, Hey, come grab this or like, you know, toss it to somebody, but he he kept it, which is really cool. Right. Yeah. I wonder if he was like sitting on a plane back home and he's like, Oh yeah, I got this uh, rookie card in my pocket. <laughs> yeah. That's really funny. So what I got to, I got to follow up here next time you meet him. What are you bringing? How are you going to drop some fireworks again? Do you have any ideas? Oh man. I maybe. uh, Maybe ask him if he still has it, if he gave it to his son. I don't know. See if he remembers me. Yeah, there you go. No, that's funny. You could always show him the video. Hey, I gave you this last year. Right. He's not going to be at the National, is he? No, no. Uh, This was actually his first, like, public signing appearance. He's done a lot of private ones, but it was probably his first one in, like, 10 years or so. Like, he hadn't done it in quite a while. So Wow, yeah. I don't know when he'll be around next. Awesome. So Jordan, I'm going to jump over now to your drum roll, please. <laughs> Mount Rushmore. So these, these are freaking awesome. Um, you know, I had the other two photos cause I had asked maybe if you had any that tied to the national and you actually mentioned that two of the cards on your Mount Rushmore here tied to them tied to the national. Um, so yeah, cause you, could you just step us through and again, just reminder to maybe explain what the card looks like and what the card is. So people listening can understand what we're looking at. Sure. I'll go uh, left to right. So the first one is the immaculate uh, Peyton Manning on card autograph NFL shield patch one of one. Um, And of course it's game used. I won't try and touch anything that's player worn or non-associated patch. It's always it's game worn or nothing for me. So this card um, was one that actually was a benefit of some hobby relationships just through Instagram. Um, I had someone message me that he knew the seller had this card available and passed that information on to me. And I bought it immediately when I heard what the price was. Um, So this card is obviously on my Mount Rushmore. It's my favorite patch autograph I have of him. I have another NFL shield of Peyton, but it's not an autograph. Uh, But this card just, you know, it's kind of a a showstopper (laughs) trying to be humble about it, but it's, it's just, it grabs your attention immediately when you look at it. So I love that card so much. Oh no, I I, I totally agree. I mean, just looking at it, I love the, how strong the shield looks too, because correct me wrong. There's a difference between kind of the earlier shields and then these later years. Do they, do they look different? Is that part of it? Yeah, absolutely. So I'm glad you mentioned that because um, a lot of shields for, these uh, later players that are retired are the chromium like new style shields and it irritates the crap out of me whenever I see a Peyton Manning shield that has that really like refractory refractor like uh, chrome shield because Peyton never ever once wore that shield in his entire playing career that came about after 2015 and so 
this obviously is game worn, so it's the correct style shield that's in it. Um, but I've seen, you know, some shields for like Archie Manning and Barry Sanders and Jerry Rice that have these, you know, chromium shields that never were correlated to their playing days. And to me, that just might as well be a manufactured patch. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's on the same level of that for me. So uh, the other NFL shield I have of Peyton is more of that clothy uh, one that came from like, uh, I'm not sure if it was Reebok back then or if it was um, a different uh manufacturer of jerseys but it's more of that clothy one that you can tell from the early 2000s is where it came from okay so that so that's new to me i didn't realize there was three kind of different distinct ones is that right you just kind of outlined yeah. three different eras here at least in yep. the last 20 30 years or whatever but yep definitely so uh this one that i have in the immaculate patch is more of a plasticky one mm-hmm. and those came with like the flywire jerseys uh that nike made where they have like a kind of a weird design on the collar of the jersey and then the shield is obviously in the place it should be but that's what those jerseys come from okay awesome so one question on this one too how many if you had to guess how many playing days uh nfl shields game worn obviously when i say playing days that's what i mean are out there for a guy like Peyton, if you had to guess. I, I've, I've seen anything like, is it maybe like 40 or 50, or is it, am I totally off by that? No, that's that's probably a good guess. He played 18 years, and I would assume that they wore maybe six, seven jerseys a, a season. They maybe be, uh, have different, like the, the Broncos have an orange jersey, a white jersey, a blue jersey. So there's three different shields right there. And then they probably wear a jersey, um, maybe twice or three times before something happens to where they need to get a brand new Jersey or they give it away to another player or something like that. So I would say 40, 50, maybe is a, a good close estimate. That goes I don't know the exact number. I haven't looked at checklists or anything like that, but. Awesome. No, that'd be really interesting. I'm just curious. Cause if you have two and there's only like, you know, 40, that's got it. That's just insane for a guy who's top. What? Okay. You'd say number two all time. I would say too, yeah. Okay, uh, yeah. Behind Brady, I would actually put him ahead of Joe Montana, mm-hmm. but uh, that that's kind of controversial. He's he's top three for sure, but mm-hmm. he would be my number two. So Jordan, then next we have a freaking super shiny card, and I love these. <laughs> I would love to own one one day, but they're crazy hard to find. What do we got here? Yeah, this is a BGS nine nineteen ninety eight Fleer Brilliance uh, Peyton Manning twenty four karat gold, and these are number two twenty four. Uh, so Peyton doesn't really have any gold refractors or anything like that in his rookie years, but this is the closest thing you'll get to it. Um, it actually, I found this out off of a sales sheet with Beckett um, that the 24 karat gold uh, refractor actually has a little tiny piece of 24 karat gold in the top right corner of the logo. So I thought that was really cool. But uh, how I acquired this card was uh, someone also on Instagram had this for sale and I messaged him and worked out a price and I kind of bought it as a, I got a promotion at work, but kind of bought this as a a gift to myself. Um, Definitely not anywhere close to what it goes for now. Uh, There's a couple recent sales out there that are kind of I think four or five times what I paid for it. So it's nice that it has uh, definitely increased in value, but that doesn't matter to me. It's going to be with me for quite a while. Makes you wonder how many of those 24 have that same story where they're gone forever. (laughs) There's probably quite a few. 
I think I know where five of them are, five different people who own them, and they have no intention of selling it. So <laughs> I wonder how, what I want to know is how many are actually still in packs because I've opened up a couple of Flare Brilliance boxes and they've been duds, but I have one more set aside for the National that I'll open there. And I'd really love to know how many are still sitting in packs. So I was going to ask about that if you didn't bring it up. So you you uh, store boxes and prepare for this show. I guess, first of all, could you tell me more about it and what boxes are you bringing this year? Number two, how do I get involved so I can be there to watch? I don't even <laughs> need to open a pack. I just want to see this, Jordan. So um, what I'll do is throughout the year, if I end up selling a card and I make a decent amount of profit on it, I'll just search a, a, out a box and I'll make a, I'll purchase it. So um, I have a 1998 Flare Brilliance box. I have a 1998 Bowman's Best, which you can pull Atomics out of and Atomic Autos out of. Some other like modern boxes. I've got a couple Series 2 boxes. I've got a F1 Chrome box I'll open. Um, my best friend Drew gave me... Okay, so this was my first hobby box I ever opened was 2005 Gridiron Gear. And he found one and he gifted it to me. So that was a really awesome gift. And I told him I'd wait to the national to open it. Um, but the the other two boxes, the 1998 boxes, I'll probably bring with me to the Pate Manning and uh, Tom Brady group chat meetup and uh, maybe open them there. Because I know those guys, the other Peyton guys will definitely want to see something like that get open too. So it should be I'd, fun. I'd love to. I've never seen any of these open in person. So that'd be really, really cool. And I mean, man, if you pull anything decent, that's Peyton related out of there. That's just like, I mean, so yeah. exciting, crazy. I pulled a base card before, but <laughs> <laughs> have you pulled any, when you open these boxes too, I'll ask this like these nineties or two thousand super rare boxes. Do you have any memorable, like something that's really stands out that you were like one of your favorites that you pulled out? Um, well, I haven't been very lucky. I've opened up uh, 98 Skybox Premium, Finest, um, Fleer Ultra, Brilliance, Bowman's Best. So I've opened up quite a few different brands and products, um, and I have not been lucky at all. So hopefully that just means I'm due. I think the best <laughs> card that I'd ever pulled was uh, from 98 Flare Brilliance. It was a it was a Cardinals rookie. I forget it was a defensive player, but I pulled a a gold to 99. So this 24 karat uh, refractor is numbered to 24, but then there's also a number to 99, just the gold refractor, and it's not as shiny. Definitely not as shiny as the 24 karat, but it's still got a gold background to it. We could also write this off as maybe it's showing you how crazy hard these pulls are, which Absolutely. Is, I think everyone's well aware, which it shows right away there with you too. Definitely. Awesome. So then the third card here, I'd love to hear more about. I am actually not super familiar with this card. I mean, I know what it is from looking at it, but I, I don't know a ton about it. Could you tell me about this one? Sure. So this is the 1998. Uh, it's an 858 autograph of Peyton Manning Contenders Rookie. So uh, the Contenders Rookie is for Peyton is short printed. It's not numbered or anything. It's just short printed to 200 copies. So obviously there's only 200 of them. Um, I bought this card at the National, but I also had one I owned previous to this. So the story goes that um, I knew a seller on Instagram who had one who was going to be at uh, Card Collector 2's trade night uh, for the National. And I ended up uh, trading and throwing in cash to get that one. And it was also an 858. But the problem was that card's autograph was way more faded. Um, I was... I, 
don't get me wrong. I was completely ecstatic to own that card. It was a grail piece that I had been looking for for quite a while. So I'm pretty happy. National is almost over. It's Sunday. Me and my best friend Drew are walking the show floor for the very last time. There's maybe two or three hours left. And we get onto the red carpeted area of the National. And I'm just scanning booths and the showcases. And I see this card in there. It's another 858 Peyton Manning contenders autograph. But this uh, autograph is so much more blue and bold than the one that I bought. And if you know anything about contenders, rookies with Peyton, it's the value is almost always in the autograph. So I tell the dealer like, hey, I have an 858. You have an 858. And obviously your autograph is better than mine. Can I throw in $1,000 and we just trade cards? And he's like, no, definitely not. Like this one, I, I can't do that. So he tells me what his price is. And I'm like, crap, <laughs> this is much more than, it's, it's day five of the national and the national is about to close. Like I'm, I'm burnt out of money. So I said, okay, well, can I try and maybe sell the one I have and get some money out of that and then sell a couple other cards and come back to you and make you a cash offer? And he goes, yeah, no problem. But for me, like I said, there's only three hours left of the national and I'm going to go sell the card that I have been wanting to have this entire time and some others to come back and bring it back to him and hope he takes my offer. So I run to PC sports cards. I knew that they were heavy buyers at the card show or at the national. I knew they were heavy buyers. So I end up selling my contenders rookie. I end up selling a Bowman's, uh, Bowman Chrome uh, Refractor Rookie, a Flare Showcase Row Zero, number to 250 Rookie of Peyton, and ended up getting cash for it, run back to this guy, and basically just had to pay his price because he wasn't going to budge. He's like, I'm totally fine with taking this back home with me, which I believed him. He had it for five days, and I'm surprised I never saw the card, but he had it for five days, never moved. He was firm on his price. So I ended up just paying for it, and now I have a much better blue, bold autograph of Peyton Manning. But I basically told you what it took for me to upgrade that autograph was a Bowman Chrome Refractor Rookie 9.5 and a Flare Showcase Row Zero, number to 250, just to upgrade the autograph. So, But man, it's all about the grade. What's the grade? No, it's crap. But yeah, that's awesome. This is like perfectly like... Um you say like counterculture of the hobby. Like that's, that's exactly so cool. you're buying the card, not the grade. <laughs> <laughs> I think we all need to hear that a little more. That's awesome. Yeah. yeah that's, a, that's a wild story. I'm glad it worked out too. And especially with like three hours to go, I can't even imagine that mad dash out of there. It was. Yeah. I, I had to bolt exactly where I knew I was going to go to try and get some cash for it. And believe me, I had a nice chunk of cash, and I'm just thinking, well, what if I just walk out the door now? It's like, I have all this cash. That, that could really help me. But the card meant more to me than the cash. So, Perfect. No, that totally makes sense. So your, so your fourth card here, this is one that I'm very familiar with. I would love to own, hopefully hunting for one at the National this year. What do we got? It's a 1998 Bowman's Best uh, Peyton Manning Atomic Refractor, PSA 10, number to 100. And the story with this card... Um, early on in my Peyton Manning collecting journey, trying to find this exact card, um, this card was 
number one on my hit list that I wanted to buy. And I remember in the uh, 2018 National in, in Cleveland, I was literally asking every single dealer who had 90s cards or any kind of parallels, anything like that, do you have a Peyton Manning Atomic? And they would always tell me no. Well, I was only there until Saturday um, at the Cleveland show. And I found someone who I asked this question to, and he goes, yeah, actually there was a guy who's going to come back on Sunday. He has one. He's got tons of Peyton Manning rookie cards, and he's going to sell me all of them in a lot. And he had an Atomic. Can you come back on Sunday and I'll have it? And I was like, crap, I leave on Sunday. I can't come back to the show. So I left pretty disheartened that I couldn't find that card. And then turn around to a couple months later to the Chicago Sports Chicago Sports Spectacular. And I see that dealer. He's set up at the at the show. And I said, hey, do you remember me from the National? I was asking about uh, Peyton Manning Atomic. And he goes, yeah, I got it right here. He turns around to his backpack, pulls it out. It's in a BGS9 uh, RCR holder. And I'm like, okay, Jordan, stay cool. <laughs> Don't show your cards. Don't, you know, start drooling. You know, so I, I have negotiations with him, which were pretty short. And I end up with this BGS9 RCR. Bowman's best atomic refractor. I was ecstatic. So fast forward to 2019 national. Now I wanted to self-submit it with PSA. Um, so a couple days before the national, I was like performing heart surgery, cutting out the, <laughs> the card in a RCR slab or diffusing a bomb, trying not to do anything bad. So I get the card out of the holder. I turn it around and there's like a little bit of smudge, like a little thumbprint on the back. And I'm like, well, this is a pretty easy fix. So I took a microfiber wipe it and it comes off. And I'm like, this card is like freaking mint. Like this card is nice. So I put it in the holder, go to the national. It's Thursday at like 10 AM. I'm standing in line. I hand my card for uh, end of show and get it graded before the end of the show. And I'll get it back. So it's Sunday. It's two hours after the national. I'm standing in a what seems like a mile long PSA line, and PSA is turning people back. They're like, "We're not. We got flooded with orders. Like your card's not done. We'll have to send it to you." That's what people were saying as they're walking back. And I look at Drew, my best friend, and I'm like, "If they don't have this done, I'm going to flip my lid." Like I was so mad. Like I had paid for end of show. It better be done end of show. So we finally get up to the to the table where the representative is, and thank God they had the card done. And my friend who knew what the grade or he didn't know he didn't tell me what the grade was because he didn't know what it was because they hadn't updated the uh, not the standings but the orders that it was finished. So she puts it on the table, pull it out. It's a 10. I almost had a heart attack and flipped over the tear down PSA because I was so ecstatic that it was a PSA 10. So this card, in a long story short, which I feel like I'm long-winded now with that story, but this card will be with me forever. I've been through way too much trying to find this card, trying to locate this card, and everything I had to go through to get it to be a PSA 10. So I... I this card may not be the most valuable card in my collection, but I think it's number two next to the contenders as far as being on my top 50 list. And don't talk about being long winded. When you got a card like this, you talk as long <laughs> as you want. Well, that's, 
That's so insane. Wow. And I got to ask too, because this set, again, I, I've really been like learning more about it and really like this set. I know they're out of 100, but like to me, it really feels like there's not 100 copies floating around. Like a lot of players, like I'm thinking of like Charles Woodson, for instance, right? I picked up a BGS 9.5 of his. We could not find anything with a serial number that had ever sold. Like we couldn't find anything. So do you well, feel that as well with this set for those who are listening and maybe look for other players from this set? Do you think it's more rare than that numbering? Well, yeah, for sure. And if, the, you know, there are probably, obviously there's a hundred of them, but the people who have them don't get rid of them. There might be one that pops up for sale at a show. Like I was lucky enough to come across, but the other, uh, hard thing with these cards is sometimes there aren't that are serial number like you mentioned um that are missing the serial number and 99.9 percent of collectors don't want those cards i wouldn't want that card i want one that was obviously pack pulled and has a serial number so yeah that they're hard they're hard to come across and tough to grade too i think this is only a pop 11 or a pop 12 so yeah, I hope I have some of your luck. My Charles Woodson's at PSA, and I feel like a maniac sitting here. I'm like, <laughs> it's in the last step. It's in the QA2 step. I snap like three Beckett slabs, and then after I snap them, you know how you know how you are with your own cards? You like look at them like, oh, man, there's like a dent here. Like, I don't know how it was quad nine fives, and now I'm right. sitting here. Oh, I hope there's a happy ending to this story. <laughs> I love that PSA at least gives us that little bit to hold on, and we can see the the steps that the card's going through. So Yeah, yep. I know, then, yeah. I know your anxious feeling of waiting for the, the grade to pop. Oh, for sure. Awesome. No, I appreciate this Mount Rushmore. And Jordan, I have one more question for you. And I kind of last second toss this over that I might ask you about this. Um, so again, seeing your collection and the fact of like, I guess I'll put it this way. You've really consolidated and figured out where are where your cards are ranked to yourself, right? Your top 50 you've mentioned. I've heard this on other podcasts. You talk about this. So I'd love to hear if you could just touch on quickly your end game with cards. Cause I see a lot of cards you're probably not going to let go of. I mean, I, I don't know at any point. So are, are you like actively searching for more? Like where do you expect yourself in 10, 20 years from now? Yeah. I don't know if um, I exactly have an end game. I think what I just want to do for myself is consistently upgrade my, my top 50 list and get the best representation of Peyton Manning cards as I can. And then maybe, um, selfishly maybe be considered you know one of the first two or three four people that you think of as far as Peyton Manning collectors because I have people who do send me links or do send me photos like hey I have this Peyton Manning card or I saw this are you interested and I I wholeheartedly appreciate it when people think of me and send me links or say hey this card's for sale because otherwise like I mentioned, I wouldn't have that one of one immaculate NFL shield auto if it wasn't for someone who said, Hey, I saw this card. Here's the guy's info. So um I think an end game, I guess, if I know that I've I've made it in my collecting journey, is maybe just be known as, you know, a true Peyton Manning collector who, you know, appreciates everyone and anyone who has a lead for me to try and find something that I can add to my collection. I think, and I think that goes for anybody who collects a certain player. They want to be known as the guy who collects, you know, Alfred Morris or Peyton Manning or Tom Brady. Like they, they want to be known as that guy. So um, I think the, these four cards in my Mount Rushmore are probably casket cards for me. They're not going anywhere. I'd have to be 85 years old and on my deathbed before I consider moving them. So <laughs> 
<laughs> that's amazing. No, that's a really good answer. I wasn't sure where you'd go with that, but I think that's exactly what I deep down I expected you to say. So that's that's really cool. Yeah. So Jordan, I'm going to jump over now. Um, if we could wrap up, I have five quick questions. I always call this like a fast five. Um, just things that either I'm curious on or I've had people okay. ask me about for other guests. So the first one here, I want to ask you, I've asked a few people this, if you could only collect patches or autographs, what would you collect? And they, assuming they're game use patches or on-card autographs, if you only have one of them, what would you take? Oh, that's a good question. Um, I would probably say autographs uh, only because, well, for one, if it's on-card autograph, Peyton Manning himself signed it or the player, whoever it is, signed it themselves. Um, as far as patches go with Peyton, the Colts, they kind of have boring patches. I'll be honest. They're only two colors. It's either blue or white. And, or if there's a patch, it's usually just, there's no logos on our jerseys. There's no, I mean, you'd have to be lucky and get like a patch of a number or a patch of a, a letter for it to be like a, a really cool patch. So I like collecting Broncos patches because they're multicolored and, and stuff like that. But if I had to pick between the two, it would definitely be autographs. Okay. Awesome. Um, another, hopefully really fun one here. So if you could have the career of one of Peyton Manning's teammates, who would it be? Let's say hypothetically you could metamorphosis into this amazing, incredible NFL athlete and relive his life. What teammate would you play, play as I should say? Yeah. Um, I think it would be fun to be Edron James. Peyton's <laughs> <laughs> called him his favorite teammate. So that would be cool. But um, if it's not Edron James, I would say Jim Sorgi. Okay. Um, it'd be one of his lifelong backup quarterbacks because you get to be with Peyton in the film room. You get to hear everything he's saying. You get to be in practice next to him. You get to throw the ball. You get to see the plays. You get to hear everything in your helmet. Um, I just think that'd be really cool. Perfect. A third one, does Wisconsin or Florida have better food? Florida. For sure. Oh. Southern comfort food is, I mean, okay. Wisconsin has cheese curds and fish fries, but down in Florida, you got Southern comfort food, fried chicken, green beans, mashed potatoes, mac and cheese. Like that's, I miss the some of their comfort food living up here. Uh, a shame a girl stole you and took you up here. That's horrible. <laughs> <laughs> so fourth one here, if you could only collect rookie cards or non-rookie cards, and I'm talking, you get the whole spread of it. What What are you limiting yourself to? So I'm pretty lucky Peyton was in 1998 and he's got a lot of those really cool parallels like 24 karat or planet medallion rubies, um, essential credentials. So I would probably say rookie cards, but I mean, he's got, I, but then I'm, you know, missing out on 17 more years of, you know, cool refractors, X fractors and stuff like that. But I think most of my PC of Peyton is rookie cards or very, very, very early cards. So I would say rookie cards. And then final question. So you can go back in time, relive one of Peyton's games live. You're at the game, best seat in the house. What game are you taking? Oh, man. Um, so this might be, I would definitely say Super Bowl 41. Uh, that's when he won the Super Bowl for the Colts. And probably one of the greatest halftime performances too. Prince singing purple rain in the rain. Uh, but not for that reason would I pick that, that game, but uh, just to see the Colts win the Super Bowl, that would be amazing. Um, but a very, another, another um, game that it's pretty not thought about at all. That is one of my favorites is it was week 17 
for the Colts or not the Colts, the Broncos to make uh, into the playoffs. Um, and Brock Osweiler was a starting quarterback and they were playing the Chargers and the Broncos were pretty set, ready to lose. They were not scoring. I think it was a very low scoring game, but Peyton Manning was injured. He was dealing with foot problems the entire year. And in the third quarter, Peyton Man- or very end of the third quarter, Peyton Manning comes in to relieve Brock Osweiler. And it's just seeing like your superhero come onto the field to save the day. And the entire crowd stands up, they're cheering, and the Broncos end up winning the game once Peyton Manning takes over. I, If I could pick one moment of Peyton's Bronco career, I would want to be in the stadium when Peyton Manning takes the field to save the day and the entire stadium knows that the hero came to save it. So. That's amazing. Was that the year that that wasn't the year they won the Super Bowl, right? That it was, was yeah. It was the last year of his career. Yep. And then he wrote it out and he stayed on as yep. oh, yeah. So insane. <laughs> That's some good picks there. Thanks. So I appreciate you joining here, Jordan. That was an awesome yeah. episode. I hope everyone else enjoyed on their commute or however you are listening. And I hope you took away some good tidbits for when it comes to preparing for the next two weeks before the national. Cause I know I definitely did. Uh, so Jordan, where can everyone find you and get a hold of you if they have any questions? Sure. Um, I'm Northwoods Card Collector on Instagram. Um, I'm pretty responsive. I'm usually on Instagram every day. So if you ever want to say hi or have a question or need help with anything at all, I'm definitely available to to help out. One of the good ones in the hobby, that's for sure. Thanks so much, Jordan. Yep. Thanks, Austin.